the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be uh, looking at a subject that um, probably a lot of you will have first-hand knowledge about, according to box office results in any case, and that is um, I'm sure a lot of you have already gone to see over this weekend War of the Worlds. I wonder if it was what you expected it to be. From the reactions that I got from people around me, um, I don't think it was. Although uh, people had varying familiarities with the original War of the Worlds, the original story by H.G. Wells, uh, I think people were sort of expecting a, a kind of horror movie, but one that wouldn't quite leave them with as much profound horror after the movie was over as this one has. And that is because of it evoking memories of 9-11, memories that are all too real despite the denial that so many of us are in. It is obviously just just below the surface and was evoked uh, by this movie. Now, it's interesting because um, Steven Spielberg, uh, who... Um, created this movie as, as a, uh, a remake of War of the Worlds, a remake not only of the novel, actually, but of a previous movie, um, said that it could be taken as a statement of America's deep unease following the September 11 attacks. Well, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Um, obviously, either he was not aware of the deep psychological impact it would have, on people watching the movie, or he didn't care. Um, this is one of the things that, uh, this is one of the reasons why I came to Hollywood, as a matter of fact, to try to educate filmmakers and television makers that um, what they put on the screen has deep and often lasting and scarring, not, I shouldn't even say often, has, has deep, um, a deep impact on people watching these media portrayals. Um, I mean, obviously, certain subjects are going to have a deeper or more profound impact than others, but our mind is like a video camera, and it takes in what happens in our own lives as well as what we watch. So in that sense, we have recorded it. If whatever movie we go to see is recorded in our unconscious mind, and some of it stays in our preconscious and conscious minds. Now, War of the Worlds um, it was so uh, unbelievably um, had so many unbelievable reminders of 9/11. I mean, it was almost as though someone was just kind of <laughs> hitting you over the head with it. 
Um, first of all, one thing I don't want to forget to say is that for all of you parents out there, please do not bring your children to see this movie because, um, and I, when I'm saying children, I don't mean three- and four-year-olds only. Um, I'm talking about even uh, teenagers. Um, and, in fact, I would caution adults who are aware of their own um, sensitivity to being reminded of 9-11 and your own sensitivity to, um, you know, the anxiety that 9-11 has continued to cause, the depression, the feeling as though you have a foreshortened future, the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, essentially, although it's, it's kind of in a class of its own. It doesn't quite fit the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual uh, Diagnosis of Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, but there certainly are similarities. And if you are um, <laughs> not in denial enough to know that, in fact, you are still being affected, and we all are, it's just um, some of us are to greater degrees than others, and some of us are showing symptoms to greater degrees than others, such as drinking too much or eating too, mu too much or having too much promiscuous sex, acting as though the world is going to end tomorrow, and therefore you should eat, drink, and be merry today, which, which is an okay concept in moderation. But um, if it's really... If you're really thinking tomorrow um, that it's going to end tomorrow, then some of your choices for today are not likely going to be the best ones if the Earth or world doesn't end tomorrow. Let me give you some examples of some of these similarities. And if you are planning to want to go see this movie and you don't want it to be spoiled, um, I, I don't really think it's going to be spoiled by what I'm going to tell you. But here's that's your warning. Um, First of all, of course, the greatest parallel is, well, it's hard to say which is the greatest, but some of the parallels are that it starts out in New York where um, all of a sudden the peaceful or relatively peaceful uh, New York environment, uh, American environment, is being, is suddenly disrupted. Here people are going about their business worrying about trivial things like parking spots or times that they're going to report to work or um, family uh, disputes, which aren't necessarily trivial, but um, family issues, and just things of day-to-day -day life, uh, totally unsuspecting and um, making mountains out of molehills. And then all of a sudden, literally from the sky, comes a kind of storm, uh, a lightning storm, that then has profound effects that I'll tell you about in a minute. But um, what, one of the most interesting and more subtle <laughs> aspects of this uh, is that before this, the, this invasion, you know, just like in War of the Worlds, the story that H.G. Wells wrote, it was about the invasion of Martians. Well, here it's um, about the invasion of extraterrestrials, but... Um, what what is interesting is that before this happens, we see a couple of as the the family is flipping through the 
the television, flipping through the programs, um, there are these warnings on different news stations that there are electrical storms in various parts of the world. And you see the family just flipping by, thinking, you know, that it wasn't going to affect them because it was in a faraway land. And I thought that that was a rather interesting and subtle, one of the better parts of the movie, um, because it does, in fact, reflect how so many of us think today that if it isn't happening in our own backyard, then we really don't need to be paying attention to it. And um, and uh, that that is actually a good message that we should take to heart, that perhaps there are things that we should be paying a little bit more attention to rather than getting buried in day-to-day trivia um, that so much of us allow ourselves to do or feel, feel overwhelmed by. Um, it exposes the fact that our seeming security is very fragile. Uh, suddenly, when the, this lightning storm comes, uh, it awakens, and this is one of the most frightening parts, when it becomes clear that the lightning awakens these, this kind of tripod machine, uh, many of them that are buried all over the United States. And um, the parallel, the symbolism, of course, for the sleeper cells of terrorists buried all over the United States um, is probably the most frightening part of the whole movie because that rang true. And some of the other effects um, that were obvious reminders of 9-11 were, were also somewhat traumatic, but I think that this point um, in the movie, of course, it says that these the tripods were buried millions of years ago and that the extraterrestrials were planning and watching the United States for years, or actually the globe. It isn't really just the United States. It was the, the globe. Um, and, you know, that, that idea that, in fact, uh, just how many tripods or read sleeper cells are there buried um, in, in this case, America, and what, um, what would, will be the kind of lightning bolt that awakens these sleeper cells. That is probably the most disturbing uh, message that is left in people's minds as they exit the theaters. But some of the more obvious uh, parallels to 9-11 uh, were buildings crashing. I mean, these, these the tripods, lightning comes from, from above us in the movie, and the uh, tripods come from below. So there's kind of a, a, a combination of uh, earthquake-like activity and, um, and, and storm-like activity, any kind of natural or unnatural disaster that you might ever have thought of, been, of being afraid of um, is there in the movie. And in fact, what was, uh, what was also in its own way rather frightening was that in, about in the middle of the movie or towards the, the, some of the scenes that were the most frightening, um, there was a uh, staff member from the movie theater who came and stood at the side of the uh, movie theater, in, inside, but near the exits, and she kept um, uh, making a, a um, flashlight 
holding a flashlight and, and making it go back and forth, back and forth, as though to, presumably, to show people who might want to leave where the exit was. Now, you know, there must obviously have been um, so I, I saw this yesterday. So um, there must obviously have been some experiences that occurred before yesterday that caused this movie theater to feel that they needed to show people where the exit was. In other words, there might have there must have been a, a number of frightened people. Um, and I must say that I did see more people than usual. Um, coming back and forth into and out of the movie. You don't really generally see that many people uh, move around during a movie. But um, there seemed to be, uh, you could feel the uh, discomfort and the agitation uh, causing people to go forward and come, and some of them perhaps came back. I wasn't really keeping count. Uh, But certainly people were leaving, I can tell you that. In the movie, some of the other parallels were not only people, of course, being in a panic of all the, afraid of all the buildings falling down, trying to run from things falling down on top of them, things uh, coming up from the ground, you know, just like the buildings, the, the Twin Towers in 9-11. Um, people were covered with ash. Uh, Tom Cruise, who starred in the movie, and we're not going to be talking about his, his politics um, today, but um, or his thoughts on psychiatry today, but um, he was running home covered with ash as after seeing the uh, these uh, things happening after the, and seeing the panic that these invaders were causing. And it, it was interesting because as he looked at himself in the mirror covered with ash, the gray ash that of course were, became a symbol almost of the twin towers collapsing. But um, you also, he was, he was in this panic looking at himself, and he quickly rubbed the ash off. And you could tell that it also was significant in terms of it being uh, a kind of aging, it seeming being a metaphor for aging and a loss of innocence. And we have to take a break now. I have much more to tell you about this movie and about what the significance is of this movie for today uh, beyond... 9-11 and beyond. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. 
Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Day, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the War of the Worlds, 9-11, and are we still being hoodwinked by the media? Uh, to finish up some other examples of uh, the um, symbols in War of the Worlds, the movie, um, reminding us painfully of uh, 9-11, were such things as um, posters being made where people put up pictures of their lost loved ones asking if anyone has seen them. I mean, the whole... The whole um, uh, the cities that are affected are, of course, in this panic and, and running, and people are running, although they're not quite sure where to run. And, um, of course, people are being lost. There's also uh, someone who is who would seem to be from the Red Cross who was calling out for blood donors that were needed. And, um, of course, it was um, uh, also interesting to see that um, there were people, there was a scene where some people were trying to get on a ferry thinking that that would get them uh, to a safe place. And people sort of trying to jump onto the ferry, the people who, once it got too full, some people continued trying to jump. And it reminded viewers, I'm sure, of people jumping out of the buildings, out of the windows um, in 9-11. And there was a scene in the movie where um, after the Tom, Tom Cruise, let me just sort of back up a little. Tom Cruise plays a divorced father who really hasn't had much to do with his two children, a, a son and a daughter, and uh, except that that weekend when just before the, um, the extraterrestrials attack, his ex-wife brings the children to him while she goes with her new husband or boyfriend to visit her uh, parents in Boston that somehow manages to escape from 
from this. Um, but at one point, we go from Tom Cruise's sort of bachelor pad, not particularly um, well-appointed or um, uh, luxurious, to the mother's home, which seems like it would be a very stable place because it is more um, sort of a higher socioeconomic class. And, of course, the extraterrestrials um, go there as well and um, – making the commentary that no social class is safe from whatever the terror is. Um, there's a scene where bodies are seen floating down the river, dead bodies, um, also sort of reminiscent of the many people that were killed in 9-11. There's a plane that has crashed, again, hitting us over the head with uh, symbols of 9-11. Um, there um, is a commentary. Actually, one of the children asks Tom Cruise, is it terrorists, which is sort of a wake-up call in the midst of this movie to have something. Uh, by that point, you're, cut, you're, of course, making the connection between the, this supposed piece of fiction and terrorism, and then to have a child ask, is it terrorists, is a bit of a rude awakening. And um, Tom Cruise says, no, they come from, they came from someplace else. And the child says, Europe? <laughs> and Tom says, no, not Europe. <laughs> that, that was, that was, there were precious few um, laughs in the movie. <laughs> but that was one needed one. Um, and then at some point, uh, the comment is made that, that these extraterrestrials have defeated the United States so quickly. It's not a war any more than between man and maggots. It's an extermination. I mean, you get the gist. Um, it's uh, not for the faint-hearted or not, not for anyone who does not want their post-traumatic stress disorder to be triggered by these spoken and visual reminders. Now, it has been said by some that uh, Spielberg made this movie in this way uh, to advance his political agenda, which is apparently, uh, according to some, and I, I don't have any personal knowledge of this, but, um, but it certainly fits, it makes sense, that his political agenda would be not to fight in Iraq, uh, that we shouldn't be there. And, um, and some people feel that the way that the movie ends, and I'm not going to totally spoil it, I hope, um, we, I mean, we know, <laughs> you know that Tom Cruise and cute Dakota is fanning is not gonna, are not going to die, so um, I don't really think I'm spoiling it, um, but uh, when, the, when these, these invaders uh, from outer space die, um, you don't really know how they died. Uh, it was kind of a cop-out, quite frankly, and um, but it's not clear, certainly, that the military shot them down. Um, so, so it seems as though, between that and the fact that there is the um, symbol of a lot of blood spilling all over the land where these extraterrestrials are, and um, the, the general... You know, that, it seems to me, is supposed to represent the spilled blood on the fields of Iraq and Afghanistan and, and well, I guess primarily Iraq if in, in this political agenda. Um, 
But it's kind of an irony because at the same time that he may well have been trying to point out these things, um, it also um, points out that something more important, well, <laughs> I won't say more important, but something un it inadvertently points out something equally important, which is uh, the power of the media to convince us of things. And that is a reference that goes back to the fact that um, though H.G. Wells wrote this originally in 1898, which is kind of an amazing thought, over 100 years ago, um, and at the time that he wrote it, he was English, and he was trying to make a statement against British colonialism. In other words, as though the British were the Martians, so to speak, invading the world, and he was against that. Um, he actually came from a very poor family, and at during his childhood, uh, his parents worked for members of the upper class in very lowly positions, and so one could see where he was coming from. But um, in 1938, um, the, this novel, The War of the Worlds as the novel that he wrote, became a radio program. And it was played the day before Halloween, October 30th, 1938. And the way that um, Wells directed it, he had it sound like it was a news broadcast. He had this radio show seem to interrupt another radio show or music where um, it was as if it were a newscast, a news bulletin, uh, indeed saying that a huge flaming object had dropped on a farm near Grover's Mill, New Jersey. And it did, in real life, send people who hadn't heard the brief announcement at some point before this started, that uh, that this was a radio program, that this was a story. For those people who missed this, and, and I'm sure even in those days they they did not make it uh, um, obvious, that announcement, or else it would have ruined the whole thing. Um, so the next announcement, that it wasn't real, came 40 minutes into the program. So for 40 minutes, a lot of America who, heard, who could hear this show went into a real panic. And what this proved in 1938, um, which was at a time when America was already becoming nervous about Hitler and what was happening in Eastern Europe, it was just before World War II, um, it showed what the media could do, the power of the media to send people into a panic or to get people to believe whatever they heard on the radio. And that was, in that case, that these Martians had landed. Now, how much different is that from what is going on in the media today? In fact, um, after that, not long after that, um, there were the scandals of the um, game shows that had been rigged, um, and there have been, uh, in, in exponentially, this uh, ability of the media to fool us into believing things equivalent to the Martians are landing uh, has grown. We had in, in 1990 the Millie Vanilli scandal, which of course, you know, certainly isn't as important um, politically, but 
or, or to our nation's security. But at the same time, it just these are just other examples of um, how the media has um, has and can and still does um, has, the, has the ability to feed us to make us believe things. And one of the places where this is really evident that I personally have um, been researching and have seen over the years, have, have seen firsthand over the years, is people denying that violent media can cause violence. Even the people who are perpetrators of crimes where it might be helpful to their defense to admit that they were motivated by video games or violent movies don't want to seem like fools for believing in the media, um, just like the people in 1938. At the same time, we are obviously all able to fall into that trap. And um, in the next part of the show, we will get into that a bit more um, with a guest who will be discussing one of the current hoodwinkings that is going on today. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific time for crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. 
Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time, as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. But, uh, right. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I was just chatting with my guest, um, Dr. Ron Bayman. He is a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And um, uh, Dr. Bayman um, has just been doing some research, which um, is a current uh, example of how, indeed, the media is still, still has the capacity and is still using it in many instances to hoodwink us. We've been talking, just in, in case you've just uh, tuned in, we've been talking about the movie The War of the Worlds, and how, indeed, it does have the capacity, although I'm not going to say that it was a bad movie in terms of it being a horror movie, if, if, that, was, if that was all it was, but it does, uh, putting my psychiatrist hat on, it does have the capacity to um, trigger um, people's emotional reactions uh, to the memory of 9-11. And um, so it's a warning that I've been uh, giving out to you. And um, just before the break, I was talking about how, although H.G. Um, Wells wrote this War of the Worlds in 1898, um, it was uh, published it in 1898. Um, it was an airing of uh, the, the story as a radio broadcast in 1938 that um, panicked everyone and showed people that, um, that the media has this power. And I just want to read you something that uh, um, was published in the New York Tribune at around that time, by, uh, written by Dorothy Thompson, who saw that the broadcast, the radio broadcast, um, could revealed the way that politicians could use the power of mass communication to create illusions that could then manipulate the public. And she said, quote, all unwittingly, Mr. Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater of the Air have made one of the most fascinating and important demonstrations of all times. They have proved that a few effective voices accompanied by sound effects can convince masses of people of a totally unreasonable, completely fantastic proposition as to create a nationwide panic. And um, that premise is still true today, not necessarily to cause panic, just panic, um, although indeed um, that may well be what um, Mr. Spielberg would uh, believe in terms of the way that um, the, that Al-Qaeda and 9-11 has been used to create a panic and an excuse to invade Iraq. But I don't want to put words into his mouth. <laughs> um, 
other than, as I had said earlier, that there has people have written and discussed how um, this movie may well be a reflection of his political agenda that we should be getting people home from Iraq. Now, to get to my guest with a uh, hot-off-the-presses example of um, the hoodwinking that the media may still has the power to create is Dr. Ron Bayman. Uh, as I said, he's a professor at the University of Illinois, and he just did a completed a report which is a statistical analysis that casts doubt on the 2004 election results. So welcome to the show, Dr. Bayman. Oh, thank you. Uh, can I just correct one thing? Sure. Technically, I'm yes. no longer a professor. I was a... Uh... A, a research professor, visiting research. Now I'm a I'm a technical research specialist okay. at, at the University of Illinois Chicago. I, I actually am a, a visiting professor at the University of Chicago, but uh, okay. that's irrelevant to this. Now, that didn't have anything to do with your the, the change of position. Didn't have anything to do with your research results, did it? No, no, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that, that was uh, unrelated. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us about these results? Because uh, because I find it fascinating that at least so far we haven't heard it in the mainstream media. Uh, well, I, I, I think what what people have heard, what people, well, some people know that there was a there was a very large discrepancy between the exit polls and the uh, reported election outcomes. Uh, by uh, virtually all the exit polls, national exit polls that were conducted, yeah. uh, and particularly by the most comprehensive and thorough of those exit polls, which was the edison Mitofsky, uh exit poll that was done for the uh, National Election Pool uh, Media Consortium, which, which included uh, all the major media. I think it was uh, Fox, CNN, uh, ABC, uh, um, uh, AP. Uh, I don't have the complete list here, but it was six major media. Uh, companies, um, and uh, they did a, a very comprehensive exit polling. They they said before uh, that this would be the most comprehensive uh, operation ever done, uh, especially after the problems they had experienced in 2000. Um, and uh, uh, as as the election uh, went on, uh, these these results of this poll uh, were reported on uh, websites and. Uh, Particularly on the CNN website, uh, late in the evening, that is uh, uh, after 12 uh, 14 a.m. on the uh, November 3rd, uh, results were posted showing um, Kerry winning uh, in uh, in Ohio, in uh, many of the other battleground states, and and in the national <coughs> national exit poll um, by about three percent. Um, which was a separate, very large poll, uh, and these were uh, these were the uh, the last unadjusted exit poll results uh, that have since been confirmed by the uh, by the Edison Matowski group um, uh, in their report. Uh, they were captured by uh, by Jonathan Simon and other people from the CNN website, and uh, and then they were changed later on, uh, just just a couple of hours later. These poll results were adjusted to match the actual election results, um, and this was this is something that is done uh, so that the demographic uh, information is uh, is consistent with the reported election results. 
Uh, so that in itself was... What, uh, what do you mean? Uh, well, um, uh, it, exit polls, uh, a lot of the information on the exit poll relates to uh, uh, opinions and demographics of the voters. Uh, you know, their, their income, their race, their, uh, uh, their partisan leaning, uh, their, their, their political view, and so forth, you know, what influenced their vote. Uh, and so that that information would uh, be consistent with the reported election outcome, they had to adjust the exit poll uh, to, to make that match. You know, so that when they say, uh, uh, you know, let's say uh, uh, a large share of Bush voters voted because of values issues, and they quote some share, then that share will be the actual, mm. or at least, uh, uh, it seemed to be the actual share of the actual voters and not of the exit polled voters, which were a smaller share <laughs> yeah. than, the, than the reported voters. So it's, it's uh, I mean, that it does uh, uh, suggest that those, those, that information may not be credible because it's actually artificially adjusted. It's not the real exit poll uh, shares that you're looking at there. Um, uh, but but if you believe, as they believe, that the, the poll could not have been wrong, that the, the election result must have been correct, there must have been some error in the poll, and based on that belief, you would you would fix the poll so that it would match the election result, and that's sort of what they did. Uh, but, of course, a lot of people were, uh, were uh, pretty shocked to see that uh, on their on the websites and uh, and uh, and that and also just the fact that that Kerry had been consistently leading uh, throughout the day uh, in in many of the key races in the national result led many people to uh, question you know what what was going on why why was the uh, election outcome so so highly uh, deviant and you know, deviating so so greatly from the uh, from the reported results. Um, so then a group of people, I mean, started with, uh, uh, I think the first detailed analysis of this was um, uh, um, Steve Freeman's paper, uh, The Unexplained Exit Poll Discrepancy. Uh, uh, he's a, uh, a scholar at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, and he showed that it was statistically implausible that the size of the, of the gap between the exit poll and reported election outcome was was uh, uh, simply impossible statistically. I, I, uh, uh, the, the numbers have changed, but they're in the order of, of one in many hundreds of thousands uh, uh, odds of this happening by chance. Um, in fact, the latest calculation, which, uh, which I did based on uh, the national exit poll and the, and the margin of error that was reported by Edison Matofsky, uh, is... Uh, is uh, uh, one in 1.6 million, I think, chance um, of this happening randomly. So basically, there's no, there's no, and, and this again has been confirmed by the uh, by the Edison Matofsky exit polling group. There, there's no, there's no argument uh, about the fact that this was an implausible um, discrepancy. That statistically, from random sampling, this this could not happen. Uh, to have this kind of uh, a gap. Um, uh, so then uh, the uh, uh, the group that I'm uh, I've been working with, which is U.S. Count Votes, um, 
Uh-huh. Huh? Like... <laughs> that music, yes, is a signal we need okay. to take a little break. Okay. Uh, and then when we come back, we can start with, okay. with what your organization has, has been finding. Sure. Um, my guest today is Dr. Ron Damon. He is a visiting professor at the University of Chicago, correct? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I, I was. <laughs> Until, okay. Yeah, yeah. A researcher who has <laughs> researcher at University of Illinois Chicago. That's there. It. We yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and we will be talking uh, with him again when we come back from this break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the War of the Worlds, 9/11, and can we still be hoodwinked by the media? So stay tuned. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the War of the Worlds, 9-11, and can the media still hoodwink us? And the answer is yes. 
Um, we're talking to my guest, Dr. Ron Bayman. Maybe I'll get this right this time. He's a researcher at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Yes. And his, <laughs> and his research um, is casting doubt on the 2004 election. And when I was saying before about... Um, you know, this showing that the media can indeed still hoodwink us, just like in 1938 when the radio station played War of the Worlds and drove everyone into a panic because people thought that uh, because of the way that it was done, that it was actually happening. Um, indeed, uh, the, the information that Dr. Bayman is about to tell you about or has begun telling you about is something that should be creating an uproar, and um, it isn't. And the media is, the mainstream media are successfully, um, not yet anyway, reporting this um, with the importance that it should be reported. So now why don't you continue with what your group has been doing in terms of this research? Sure, sure. And, and let me just uh, correct one thing. I, I think I said 1 in 1.6. It's really 1 in 16.5 million uh, chance of, uh, of Bush winning the popular vote uh, with an exit poll that shows Kerry winning. Uh, by uh, by about the same margin. That's in our uh, March 31st updated April 12th report from USCountVotes.org. If people want to want to look at that okay. uh, in, the, in the appendix. Um, but um, uh, the so so people started looking at this discrepancy. Uh, statisticians that I mentioned, Steve Friedman, and then uh, this group uh, got together. Um, uh, the U.S. Count Votes Group, which was a, a, a collection of, uh, 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 I think, 12 statisticians originally, and, uh, or mathematicians and people that do statistical analysis, um, and, uh, and analyzed the, uh, this discrepancy and found that the, the explanation that had been offered uh, by Edison Matofsky, uh, that there was, some, there was a pervasive um, a response gap between uh, Kerry voters and Bush voters. That is, um, Kerry voters were more likely to respond to the exit polls. Fifty-six uh, percent of them would respond versus fifty percent of Bush voters, um, and that this could explain the exit poll discrepancy. Uh, this this uh, uh, hypothesis or hypothetical was analyzed based on. Um, data that was uh, provided by Edison Matofsky that uh, uh, presumed to explain the discrepancy. Uh, and uh, uh, it was found that the explanation was inconsistent with the data released in the Edison Matofsky report. Uh, and let me just add that, that that report was released on the day of the inauguration, uh, January 19th. So it was, it was, and it's actually the the early versions had uh, a do not release until the inauguration stamped oh <laughs> on the front page. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> that doesn't uh, draw uh, attention to yeah. some potential wrongdoing. Yeah, I don't know. yeah well, it, it, it was, it was uh, uh, bizarre. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, presumably they didn't want to, you know, stir up the pot and, you know, cause more more uh, uh, concern than, than was already out there about these exit polls. I mean, I was, I was you know, helping out the, the – so there, was, there were uh, four lawyers in Ohio that were challenging the, the outcome there that led to the Barbara Boxer uh, challenge in Congress. Uh, on the, and part of that was also an exit poll, uh, looking at the exit polls and saying, um, you know, there, uh, uh, this, this, this casts doubt on, on the, these election results. Um, 
so anyway, the, the, um, in that report, uh, the, uh, they provided data on, uh, on causes for the discrepancy, and they, they claimed in the report that all of the error uh, uh, was due to within precinct error. That is, uh, it, it didn't have to do with how the exit poll precincts were weighted to come up with the state-level uh, poll result, but rather it had to do with um, errors at the precinct level. That is the uh, if, if a given precinct had, say, a 60% uh, Bush vote and a 40% Kerry vote, for some reason uh, the exit poll would record that as, you know, say, uh, you know, 50% Kerry and 50% Bush. That is the the exit polls were were overstating the Kerry vote at the precinct level, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, they claimed that that was because more Kerry voters were responding. Uh, you know, ideally, you want a random sample of the precinct, and so that the right. the response would reflect the actual vote. But if if more of the partisans of one side are responding than the other, then you're going to get this this, this right. error or discrepancy. So. Um, they, uh, in the report, they first of all they said this. They, they con- con- conceded uh, that this this was the largest discrepancy that they'd ever had. Uh, uh, the, re- the, the average within precinct error was 6.5 percent overstatement of carry vote. Uh, the um, you know, the last time anything close to this had occurred was in 1992, when there was a 5 percent overstatement uh, of the Democratic vote. Um, um, uh, but in that case, of course, the Democrat won. So, uh, but uh, so that wasn't quite as big an issue. Right. Um, but it, the the main thing. I'm a little concerned about time running. Okay. Out. Okay. So let me just get to yeah. the crux here. Yeah. So they they had some tables showing what the error would be by partisan precinct, and uh, the the table shows that the uh, the, the precincts that had a very high Bush um, uh, uh, vote total had almost zero. Uh, Exit poll error, and as you as you uh, as the precincts became uh, more Bush uh, uh, partisan precincts, they the error increased. And the and the bottom line is that the uh, the data that they reveal in the report is inconsistent with the explanation. That is, it could not be a pervasive um, mm-hmm. a pervasive uh, uh, a shortfall in Bush respondents uh, that led to this result. Uh, there has to be some other explanation which has not been offered, and and this is really the key point that we've we've done three reports and we've shown that that every explanation that the, that they've offered and that the press and the mainstream media has picked up as the explanation has not been backed up statistically. There's been no detailed statistical analysis to back it up, and what analysis has been provided is inconsistent with that explanation. So uh, as we stand today, this is seven months after the election. Um, there's been no serious explanation of this, and the data also have not been released so that ind- independent analysts can, can come up with an explanation or try to replicate whatever is being offered as the detailed precinct-level exit poll, unadjusted exit poll data uh, with, with linked reported election outcomes. Uh, and and the, go ahead. Yeah, the explanation for this has been that they, they cannot compromise the respondent confidentiality. Uh, but Which, of course, makes no sense since they don't have to give out names. Well, there, it, it, the, the idea is that since the demographics are included, if, if the precinct has had one African-American, for example, wow. 
You know how the person. So yes, but that you know, as as you point out, that can easily be uh, dealt with by, for example, aggregating up the precincts a little bit. And yeah. in fact, they've done that. They've released data for Ohio to yeah. one person, uh, Dr. Fritz Schuren of the Election Science Institute, at a slightly aggregated level. You know, aggregated up twenty. They, you order the precincts by twenty, and then you find the exit poll precinct that's in the group of twenty, which gives you a pretty close. Uh, 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 indication of what the poll, what the reported election result would be that you can link to the exit poll result. Uh, but they've also not released the, the factors that influence uh, within precinct error, which would be necessary to do a statistical analysis. And there's no confidentiality issue there because you know you're not going to tell anybody who the who the pollsters were or their demographics or anything that could be used to identify them. And what now are you going to be doing to try to, um, I mean, is, are you going, now that you've done the research, is there, are you going to try to, I mean, for example, I, just this weekend I saw someone standing uh, on a makeshift stand saying impeach Bush. Are you, is your organization, are, are you, what goal are you? Uh, well, we're, we're a, you know, as a statistical group, and actually our, our goal has been to construct a national database archive. We call it the National Election Data Archive Project. And we, we are trying to get people to contribute to that so that the next election we will have a, a uh, you know, have data that will, that will allow us to, to <laughs> be more accountable. To, right, to make that and more could, accountable. Could you give out the website address again? Uh, sure. It's, uh, the website is, uh, is, uh, www.uscountvotes, uh, one word, dot org. Okay. uscountvotes.org. Well, um, I would recommend that everyone go to that website and, and, uh, find out in a little more detail about this. The gist of it is that, um, that it may not be 1938 and we may not be listening to um, a radio report that pretends to be an actual Martian invasion, although I may, I may be causing some anxiety in you, my listeners, but, um, but it is with a higher purpose, and that is to keep your eyes open, which is actually one of the good lines from this um, movie, War of the Worlds, where um, one of the characters who was an ambulance um, driver or a paramedic said, the ones who make it to the hospital without flatlining are the ones who keep their eyes open. So that, my friends, <laughs> should be your warning. So thank you very much, uh, Dr. Ron Bayman, a researcher at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And thank you for listening. This is Dr. Carol Lieberman, your psychiatrist host. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. We've been talking today about the War of the Worlds, 9-11, and are we still being hoodwinked by the media? And the answer is a resounding yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.